This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. Rugby, Rugby Weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello and welcome to Friday's Rugby Weekly Podcast with the 42. It's Gavin Casey with you here and joining us to look ahead to a URC weekend and discuss all of the major Irish rugby news from midweek is Murray Kinsella of the 42, who is on Side presently. And it's a pleasure to see you, Murr, in the Rebel County. How are you? It's a pleasure to be here. I absolutely love Cork, so I'm excited to be here for the Orgy Snyman return tonight and the sideshow of Munster v Scarlets. It's all about seeing Snyman back on the pitch. It's really exciting for every Munster supporter, for everyone, I think, who enjoys rugby on this island and much, much further afield in South Africa. They're buzzing for it as well. And yeah, it's just good to be back in Cork amongst the, the beautiful and fine people of Cork. We will get into Mr. Snyman in a moment. I wanted to start by chatting about Kieran Marmion's departure from Connacht, which had been flagged, I think, in rugby circles. And it's difficult to know sometimes the extent to which like the wider rugby public might be tuned into forums and WhatsApp groups and various things in which it was almost common knowledge that Marmion was going to leave. And I think we had flagged it on the pod as well a couple of times. But I'm sure it would have been jarring to plenty of people who have real life responsibilities and whatnot who aren't like glued to the, the rugby news cycle at the same time. And I just wanted to ask you to what extent you feel as though this is a big loss for Connacht, even at this stage of Marmion's career, because again, my mind kind of goes back towards that Zebra game very recently where they were at risk of blowing a massive lead and it was Marmion who came on and steered the ship home and he was absolutely superb. And I guess I'm casting an eye towards next season and I just think a player like that under new coaching staff especially could be invaluable and yet he's off to Bristol and yeah I just was keen to get your thoughts on that situation overall. I think it's really disappointing it's a real shame to see a player with what 220 230 Connacht appearances he's only 31 there's plenty of excellent rugby left ahead of him and he's a Connacht legend nothing nothing but in my eyes you know he he came to Ireland when he was, what, 19, 18 or 19, a teenager. That's a difficult move to make. You can't underestimate that. But he backed himself and came over here and he's given essentially his career to to Connacht rugby and to Irish rugby. To me, he's a, a proper Connacht man. You know, when I think of Connacht, he's one of the players that first come to my mind. So I think it's a huge shame to see him leaving. Connacht say he make, made the decision to, to go, but... I think that probably understates the position. He got a one-year offer, as far as I'm aware, and it wasn't a great offer. So, you know, yeah, you have an option to stay, but it's not a great option. <clears throat> and and Bristol obviously come and, and and give a stronger offer than that. And and it makes sense just in career and financial terms to go and do it. Um, I think with a better offer, we'd be seeing Marmion stay in Connacht. So it is really disappointing. One of the bits of chat that, that's coming out is that this is as kind of part of Connacht's policy of really prioritising kind of local players and, and retaining them in the squad, people who are kind of born in Connacht. But to me, Marmion is a, a local Connacht player. You know, he's, as I said, given his life to it. And been part of amazing achievements with the, the Pro Pro 12 win and, and some of the most historic results in, in Connacht's history and still has a lot to offer his... Rivalry with Caelan Blade has been 
a real driving force behind Connacht. You've never had any fear around that number nine jersey. And whoever's going to come and or whoever was going to come and, and compete in that bracket would have had to really hit a high level, you know, an international level. Both of them are international levels. And I think we should probably flag that as well. Marmion had some brilliant days in, in green as well. And, and Joe Schmidt leaned on him a bit. Joe Schmidt loved remembering him playing on the wing against Australia. And it was memorable. But he had some excellent performances at scrum half as well. He hit a really high level, nearly what, 30 caps for, for Ireland is some achievement. So, I, yeah, I think it's a real shame that a player like this c- couldn't be retained in the system. You know, I know he's he came from the UK, but to me, he's a, a Irish player through and through. And um, I think it's a real pity. I think it's a popular guy in the setup as well that Connacht are losing. And there's a few of those. Delahunt is another one who we're hearing is on the way out. And and he's, again, done a really good job there and, and been integral to, to what they've done. So... We discussed it recently on the pod. It's a strange old time in Connacht with the change in the coaching staff and I think a lot of fans haven't been fully on board with what's going on there and they, they're they hoping probably to see John Muldoon come back into that that uh, coaching uh, setup and and add a bit of that flavour um, of, of his kind of legendary status. But it's kind of uncertain times in Connacht and you're hearing about other guys getting quite poor contract offers as well and reduced terms and... There's definitely a, an uneasiness in the squad at the moment and fingers crossed they can just continue to perform on the pitch and, and get a good outcome for the season. When you talk about this supposed policy of favouring local or homegrown players, in a, if it's a toss of a coin between one of those and say somebody who's come from another province or come through another system, could you elaborate a little bit on that uh, or your understanding of it? Because I've seen a lot of Connacht fans asking about it. We've certainly flagged it on the members' part. It was Birch who raised it a couple of weeks ago and we did get into it a little bit. And I've seen other uh, writers, reporters mention it, including John Fallon in his piece where he was suggesting that John Muldoon could be on his way back. And I see then Connacht fans uh, applying this to the Marmion situation actually as a counter-argument to a local's first thing because... They're so uh, accustomed to seeing Marmion as one of their own that they think, well, this is an example of where it's not true, right? Like, he is pretty much local, but are we saying that he actually fell foul of this, possibly, in that as much as he is, as you and I see him, absolutely a Connacht man, they were looking to make room maybe for for academy guys, guys who've come through like the Galway school system. Uh, what, What are we saying here? Uh, how does it say the locals first situation pertain to Marmion's situation if it does at all yeah I guess it's what you referred to there in terms of if you feel you have a, a player who's come up through your own pipeline then you I suppose you prioritise that and getting them minutes and pushing them up the, the pecking order I suppose someone like Dylan Tierley Martin uh, owned a butler at Hooker behind Delahunt they're going to be pushed on through and, and tried I suppose to be prioritising in giving minutes next season I should say like this is not an official on the record policy from Connacht but this is what we're hearing and this is what players certainly who fed it back to to us um, are, are saying is being kind of communicated and listen it makes sense for Connacht and actually Connacht have needed to have a stronger I suppose influence of of their own kind of homegrown players you know, we've been in a situation often where they've been signing players from Connacht and from other provinces and that's been brilliant I don't think that should be stopped at all. I think that's good that Irish players are getting opportunities, even if it's not in their own province. And I think it's good that Connacht are willing to look and give opportunities. But at the same time, I think every club benefits from having a core of players who are 
you know, native of that region. Fans can connect to it. We see it in 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 the likes of the Murray Murray brothers now. They're such pride in them coming through. In guys like Jack Carty, who um, have been in Connacht through their whole kind of youth and and their whole career. There's a real attachment to guys like that. Muldoon, John Muldoon is a great example. You know, there's such um, connection with those players. So it is really important, but. Yeah, I suppose the the lines are slightly bur- blurred when a, a player like Marmion, who is very much a, a kind of local and almost native player, as I know, not by definition, but he's been Connacht through and through, is is leaving. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, a strange one. I definitely think it makes sense for Connacht to go that route, but not at the detriment to the quality of their squad. Just a reminder that the 42 Rugby Weekly is sponsored by Dundeal Motors. Whether it's luxury cars, seven-seaters for a growing family, or making the switch to electric, find everything you need at dundeal.ie. Let's talk about the return of Mr. Snyman then at Musgrave Park. Munster said during the week they have no concerns about him returning on a 4G pitch. Uh, He is on the bench. He will make his comeback after 18 months against Scarlet. Even on a human level, Murray, to begin with, how happy is this going to make the global rugby public? Because I feel as though this fixture tonight isn't just a fixture in which Munster and Scarlet's fans are interested in now. There's a massive South African interest, as you mentioned as well. I think there's just a lot of goodwill towards Nyman coming back from uh, re-rupturing an ACL and knowing what he's put in to be back in this position. It's trading for everyone because he's much loved as a player, first and foremost, which is most people's touching point. His incredible athleticism, his eye-catching, of course. The Just to look at the man, he's, you know, like a rampaging Viking bursting through the middle of the pitch or out wide or wherever he is with his massive paws wrapped around the ball one-handed and, and finding those beautiful offloads. And he can, he can do it all, really. This guy is one of the best players in the world when he gets back to, to where he's been and hopefully gets back to where he's been because he's an ultra game-changing presence so there's that side of it as well but from everything we hear as well he's a he's a nice man and he's much loved in the the Munster squad he's really really popular you know as soon as he had arrived he was welcomed in with open arms and and kind of seemed to bond with the group I think that's strengthened even more because of the adversity he's faced and because they've seen how he's maintained a really positive outlook and that's repeated through everyone you speak to. He kept coming into Munster, even in those horrible times with his injuries and stuff going on off the pitch with even the the fire pit incident. And then he had family trauma at home during a really tough time. And he kept coming in with a, you know, a positive attitude, smile on his face. And um, he's, he's connected really well with the players. So they, which matters a lot, like, you know, your teammates have to really care for you and want you to, to be there and not think, oh, this guy's been here for a few years now, barely played, taking a big salary. They're all rooting for him. So, listen, hopefully there'll be um, an instant impact, but I think everyone will understand if it does take a bit of time and if it ends with with Nyman in a month or two back at his very best, well, then Munster's chances of having a bit of success this season are hugely increased. He's he's a phenomenon when when he's playing well and, yeah, it's a brilliant story of of dealing with setback after setback after setback and hopefully now putting that behind him. You mentioned it, it could be a month or two there. It could be a lot longer as well. I think it's worth flagging that. True, before. true. Sorry, I'm, like, I'm not pulling you up on it necessarily, just theorising really based on what we know of ACLs. And to be honest, I can't think off the top of my head of somebody who's coming back from a re-ruptured ACL at that. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that 
it doesn't necessarily mean that it would take longer than it would the first time around because the rehab rehab is going to be very different but just that i i would say monster fans do need to be patient that like it may be next season in all honesty before you see like the orgy snyman of old he's still probably going to be a very effective player provided he can stay fit towards the end of this season and he will be an asset in the run-in but i would say just like give him as much time as possible given it's just an enormous amount of time to be out you know it's going to take i would suggest a, a bit of a longer time to get fully back up to speed the funny thing is he could be really good now and everyone thinks like wow what a what a player monster i've gotten back and he could he, he could be even better in a in four or five months you know yeah and the only thing is the first time he came back like he obviously wasn't straight up to his best but his six out of ten is like most players eight out of ten you know what i mean he instantly made an impact on the the most recent return he just because of the attributes he has he can he can win the collisions he can have the ball free he's got a really instinctive feel for the game as well you know he's a bit of a playmaking second row along with all the size and grunt work that he can do and also all reports suggest that he's been tipping along real nice in training you know he's he is explosive his lineup jump is where it was all those physical markers are where Munster would would want them so I don't think they'd be unleashing him now unless they were you know 200% certain that he's more than ready to return I think they've erred slightly on the side of caution with with getting him back and and that gives him a better chance because he's built up a fair bit of load in training over the last couple of months so yeah, I think it would be brilliant to see him just um, show some of those attributes. And I, I think it's right to be excited about it and hopeful that you're going to see one of those kind of characteristic offloads that Snyman uh, delivers, the passing as well. He's a brilliant defender and I think just his presence as well on the pitch gives him a, an energy and a bit of an aura as well. About the game then tonight, just briefly, Scarlet's six unbeaten in 2023. They play a yeah. nice brand of rugby at the moment. They're coming in as live opposition uh, for sure, which I'm not sure you could necessarily say about the last couple of teams to visit Musgrave Park in a Munster context at least. Um, to what extent do you think they do pose Munster a threat? Uh, I'm thinking particularly in transition where something like a a little turnover it could be at a line out it could be in broken field they're just lethal they can turn that into a chance very quickly but also monster have flagged that during the week so it's something that they've clearly been working on as well or, or working on counteracting i should say it will be a decent challenge and scarlets have recovered from what was a, a horrific start to the season they're still right down towards the bottom of the table and they've a lot of ground to make up they've played some nice rugby they've got some really quality players um even if you look at the pack, like Fafita, Sam Lousy, Calamifoni are all capable of kind of game-breaking moments. Fafita in particular, he's an, he's an absolute freak show. You're seeing the challenge probably of of Wales trying to retain players with Calamifoni off to, to Van in the Pro D2. Like what a interesting move to go from a URC club to, to Pro D2 and that's clearly a better deal for him. But while I'm excited to see what Scarlet's can offer, I'm even more excited to see Munster continue the way they've been going. I was clipping up some of Munster's attack stuff for this evening and it was really difficult to pick which bits because there were so many of them, particularly in the most recent weeks. I know the Ospreys were poor and they they struggled defensively, but that was because Munster did such 
good stuff in attack. Like you're seeing all the traits that Prendergast wanted from this team now. And it's all kind of around the speed and the quickness of it. Speed to reset, speed to find the best space and just go there as soon as you can. Speed to get a second touch on the ball. The number of guys who are making a pass, following it up, getting a second touch. Speed to the breakdown and just just killing that. Just getting the ball really quick for the scrum half. Um, so that speed through everything is is really impressive. I'm so impressed by how they're finding shape on the move. So they're not waiting to be set to to go and play the ball from the scrum half. The pass goes, and as they run, they're moving into shape. And the players' understanding of the shape has to be really sharp for that to happen. Like forwards have to have a really good understanding of of how their three pod works, of how they need to be that front door option on the second wave of the attack. And they're doing that on the move, and it's it's really impressive. You're getting. Playmakers connecting on the move as well with with um, with Carberry and Healy when he was on the pitch the, the last day. So all that's really exciting. The forwards are making more link passes than ever and not just making them for the sake of it. There's a real understanding of why they're doing it and what they need to do. The likes of Jean Klein, who hasn't been good at passing in the past now, in, in the past are, are now fixing defenders. They're understanding what to look for and what the best option is and... It's still a work in progress and, and I know that it'll come up against stronger defences and you would like actually Scarlets to, to challenge it more and they'll have done their homework on it over the last couple of weeks but to see that continuation is is really exciting for Munster fans and that's the sense you get from it all. Like Everyone's excited by this. I'm excited by it and, and so is every Munster fan and so is every Munster player as well. It's 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 more fun like this and you've got to have elements of the traditional mauling and kicking and defensive-based strengths but to see a Munster team playing like they're trying to play now and they're not getting it right all the time, it's brilliant. Leinster travelling to the Dam Health tomorrow, Saturday, we're recording on a Friday, to face Edinburgh. Are you excited by that fixture and how do you think that's going to go? Can't say anything other than Leinster continuing how they've been going. Um, and again, that's what you want to see is, is Leinster being challenged and rocked, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. The interesting thing at Edinburgh is Mike Blair... Um, deciding to step away from the head coach role because he wants to be an assistant and he wants more coaching time on the pitch. I think it's a fascinating development. And I speak to loads of head coaches who have that frustration that they take the top job and then their time on the pitch is just completely diminished or even vanished because there's so much other stuff to the job. And it just makes no sense that the best coach, the guy who's risen to head coach status, isn't getting time on the pitch with the players. So I'd say bravo to him for for having the, I suppose, lack of ego to step away from the, the top job and, and be the coach that he wants to be and have the impact that he wants on the, the training pitch. So I think a lot of other coaches will be looking at that. Obviously, you earn a lot more if you're the head coach, so you've got to consider that factor and they're short enough careers generally, so you've got to kind of maximise the, the earnings out of it. But I think that's one to, to kind of follow in rugby. And the kind of the structure of the coaching teams. You're seeing obviously a lot of director of rugby's, directors of rugby rather. You're seeing a lot of, even in Munster now with Ian Costello coming into that role where he's going to manage the pathway and the contracting, etc. Because guys like Roundtree want to be on the pitch and that's where they're, that's where they're best. Yeah, that one between Edinburgh and Leinster is five past five on Saturday. And then you have Connacht and Ulster, both in Wales, both at the same time, 25 to eight kickoffs, away to Dragons and Cardiff respectively. Call those for us very quickly. I can see a clean sweep. I love it. You were with Ireland on Thursday, Mur. What was the story? Yeah, we had Paul O'Connell up for media. So first of all, just phenomenal. I actually 
I didn't do it in the end, but I thought about just putting it up as a Q&A kind of style piece because every answer was good. It was so hard to leave stuff out. He's such an interesting, engaging, thoughtful speaker. Every t- everything he said, I kind of went, oh, you know, it makes you think differently. You get a sense of his power and his charisma and his clarity and precision of his communication. And it just underlined to me everything that I've been hearing over the last number of months, last number of years, really, since he came in, the sheer influence that he has. And let's not forget, he came in at the start of 2021 and that's when things started going really well for for Ireland. His influence probably hasn't been stated enough, I don't think, because the initial flurry of hype around him coming in just died down. But really now is when hysteria should be rising because, yeah, he he obviously runs the forwards, he runs the breakdown, which has been excellent, but his influence is, is greater than that. He really is Farrell's second in, in line. He's his right-hand man. The two of them are kind of the... The, the big bosses I suppose and the players really respect him and, and even though he's a legend of the game you have to be a really brilliant coach because otherwise players will just pick out the flaws and they'll they'll you'll lose that respect very quickly um, so yeah he spoke really well about Ireland not being sometimes players I thought it was a really nice phrase he said we've been good sometimes you know around the forwards he was talking some things have been good, some things have been bad. And he said, we can't be sometimes players in the next couple of weeks. He said, uh, Scotland, I asked him, is it a dangerous game? He said, it's not dangerous, it's a massive game. If we win by one point, that's a, a good outcome. And he spoke about also the players going away now. They they left camp yesterday, so they have four nights in their own beds before they come in on, on Monday. And I actually, I'll admit, I've kind of thought in the past with these fellow weeks, I'm like, why don't they actually do a bit more training? Like, would they not get benefit from doing another video review session etc but he made the point that freshness is actually a better attribute in in that sense and in the past he said you know even in 2009 when they did get the grand sum obviously he said they did too much they were trying to cram 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 and they weren't as mentally fresh as they could have been so that was one of the lessons he's been trying to impart on the players is go away and switch off and come back in like buzzing to go on Monday. Um, now, I would venture that he won't be switching off all that much, that he'll be studying the line-out. He mentioned that he's watched the France game back 10 times and he's picked out 400 things that they can do better. Um, so I can only imagine how many he picked out from the Italy game. And I'd say his mind doesn't rest when he's in these windows. But it was just, it was a masterclass in just how good an operator he is. Um, and then at the same time, we had the the update, I suppose, on the squad health. James Lowe and Gary Ringo's didn't train at all. They were in their tracksuits. They were on the sideline. They just watched everything. Stuart McCluskey and Keen Healy did their own kind of rehab work on the side. They didn't do too much. But I suppose the positive is that Furlong, Sexton, Gibson Park and Henshaw all trained fully. Henshaw looked really sharp, like really sharp. Every time he touched the ball, he is absolutely uh, champing at the bit to, to get back out there. And Sexton, similar um so that's a it's you know it's a mixed bag in terms of the updates but O'Connell was very positive on those four guys I mentioned who didn't train. Well, we spoke about both James Lowe with Birch on Monday who explained to us the importance of Lowe to Ireland's attack and Ringrose in Ireland's defense as well. Owen Toolan was giving his thoughts on that on Wednesday's members pod. So we're going to play a couple of clips from those now to get the lads' thoughts and its members. The42.e if you want to join up and get podcasts every Monday and Wednesday on top of these Friday pods. I was going to say Henshaw is the, is the replacement. If he's fit, he plays 13. If Gary's out, I think. Um, and Jimmy is probably next in. And that's nothing against Hume. It's just, again, I, I think that Jimmy's probably 
nailed on now to go to that World Cup. <clears throat> um, so I think Farrell will will give him the the, the next get, bit of game time if if the, if there's an emergency uh, again. But Gary, in fairness, um, with, with a bit of luck, he'll be back. He'll be back for the next um, the next two rounds, and it won't be a big worry. But um, it was hard on Bundy because he hasn't played at all as well. So I think like everything it's so a worst case scenario that he uh, he was playing outside Stewart who apparently is quite quiet in defence as well he's very good def- def- tackler um, but you've got two 12s playing one who hasn't played a lot against a team who are looking to get into that 13 channel a lot um, so I, I would even imagine if, if, if Ireland played Italy again next week with the same combination we'd look we'd be, it'd be a lot uh, smoother because it would have had a week together etc um, and Buddy would have had some game time so I think we get by with Bundy as a thirteen um, a lot of the time, but for Ireland, obviously, it's it's for me, it's Gary, Robbie, probably Jimmy O'Brien in next, but just not long term. I think obviously Hume and and Frisch will come into the picture, but I'm just thinking um, if you're Farrell now and we saw him having to come on at centre against South Africa, there's a strong chance he'd be on the bench for some games in, in the World Cup. You might as well get him used to playing there if you, you know and that's I agree with Murray maybe he should have got on a little bit earlier just would have been good for him it's interesting because I would say definitely the evolution of the game and the way it I guess the current trends are it's a great deal of expansiveness isn't it and edge to edge and your 13 probably being the linchpin in terms of organizing your defensive system plays a really integral part not just off structured launches but off your your multi-phase attack as well um so yes Robbie Henschel could could definitely do a job there he's obviously played played a considerable amount at 13 probably has become more accustomed to that 12 position so yeah. it's not ideal for for Henschel to have to have to potentially cover 12 and 13 although he can do it so you would like to see whether it's a, a Hume or a Frisch or one of these guys that are playing week in week out for the provinces being probably given that opportunity because I felt for Aki, to be honest, at 13, he just looked so unsure of himself. He, he, he obviously with a ring rose, he's really aggressive first phase, look, likes to dart out of the line, put the attackers in kind of in two minds and, and I guess provide that pressure from the outside to push the attack back to the inside. So ring rose gets attributed with a lot of missed tackles, but a lot of those are actually jamming defenders to the inside hunt, which is, which is a good skill to have. And you can see at the weekend, Aki was on his heels. Such was the, I guess there's a lot of deception and ball movement from an Italian perspective. And he just had, there was such a disconnection between 13 and open wing, whether that was uh, Lowe or, or Mac Hansen, that, that a lot of it, Italy's momentum came through that avenue, whether it was structured or, or multi-phase attack. So I felt for Aki generally because he just looked really uncertainty of, of himself and, and that connection with Mikulski on the inside as well was trying. So it does probably point to the the importance of ring rows, the, the continuity Ireland have had in that position and Leinster to the same degree has had a high game minutes there. So it's not ideal that he's had such a stranglehold on the jersey that there's been limited opportunities for other specialist 13s to to have their opportunity to, to make a, a case for themselves as well. That was Bernard Jackman and Owen Tulin on Monday and Wednesday, respectively. I'm actually really looking forward to digging into the Scotland game a bit more on the members' pod next week, Mer, just in the sense that it feels like exactly as O'Connell describes it, just a massive game, just an objectively massive game. No caveats, 
the Scots are a legitimate threat. I think stylistically they're probably not a not an ideal matchup for Ireland in in boxing terms. As in, I can definitely see areas in which they'll be able to expose us a little bit. Expose sounds like a, too strong a word, but just find space and exploit it. Um, and yeah, it's one of those games a little bit like a couple of the Grand Slam years, I guess, where you've just got to get in and get out with the job done. Um, how confident are you a week out, well, slightly over a week out, that Ireland will get it done? I think this one is a little bit fraught because Scotland have momentum and belief like they haven't had for a long time. And also their attack is really intricate and good. <laughs> they've got the layers that Ireland have. I, I don't think at the same level, but they've got intricate plays even some of their five meter ones you you see there was a beautiful one against France they nearly scored off it but Antoine Dupont came up with another freakish try saving tackle uh, and Finn Russell is playing some of his best rugby he's so difficult to read I was looking back through his clips yesterday just the way he kind of cocks the ball and he, sometimes he triple or quadruple pumps it's not even a double pump or sometimes he doesn't pump at all it's just sitting there cocked and the defenders are trying to like give me a cue give me a cue and there's nothing and they go and make a read and bang he's gone to the front door and Hugh Jones has scored it's really joyous to watch and it's really hard to defend against Paul O'Connell mentioned yesterday that they're going to have to in training next week they're going to have to make sure that the opposition 10 Carberry or Byrne or whoever is there Crowley is going to have to really challenge the line because that's what Russell does and they're going to have to be exceptionally sharp around that but it's not just him Hugh Jones and Tui Pilato have a beautiful combination midfield. We know that Van der Merwe is, you know, in peak form. But for me, the forwards, the Scottish forwards have been their story of the championship. They're playing with real grit and fire and and technical nous as well. They're, they've been excellent. The likes of George Turner and Fagerson, Richie Gray back to, towards his best. So I think it'll be a, a brilliant challenge for Ireland yeah, I think they're a better team. I do think Ireland are a, t- a better team and they have been over a longer period. But there's definitely potential banana skin there. Um, and the Scots having home advantage is, is huge for them. I'm absolutely excited by this game. I also can't wait to get into it with Birch because he and I both have to climb down because we didn't really back the Scots to do anything in this championship and they've completely proven us wrong. I know Birch angered the entirety of Scotland and further afield by by questioning Finn Russell his ability at the, the top level. So it'll be fascinating to see what he delivers in in the kind of pressure stakes against against Ireland. So that's going to be a good one to tee up on, on Monday and Wednesday next. Hey, listen, Scotland have done nothing yet. They haven't delivered anything that's yet. That's it, that's it, yeah. So you could be proven right yet, but it's going to be a tough ask, I think, for Ireland to prove you're right. We will dig back into it Monday, Wednesday, all next week, really. Plus, I guess we'll have a, a post-match pod as well if you've time at Murrayfield, Murray. So... Jesus, it's going to be a busy one, but it's going to be an exciting one at that. We'll leave it here for now, though. Thanks a mil. Karkagaboo. <laughs> Thanks, everybody at home as well for listening. As always, it's members.the42.e if you want to get those extra pods. Have a great weekend. Enjoy all of the URC action and anything else you get up to as well. We'll catch you very soon. Mind yourselves. Take it easy. This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, Ireland's largest car website. Find your next premium car from one of our trusted dealerships. Driver's got names for filthy double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body and spirit. Mind, body and spirit. You better hear it and fear it. 
Oh, that's the spirit. Saying sister, sister, how I miss you, miss you. Let's go wrist to wrist and take your skin off of a whisper. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are. Get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Names to fill two double barrels. He spits out, breaks out, only smokes carols. And he's refreshing the world in mind, body, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. You better hear it, I'm fearing. Ah, that's the spirit. Saying, sister, sister, how I missed you, missed you. Let's go wrist to wrist. So take the skin off of a blister. If you're a rock star, porn star, superstar, doesn't matter what you are, get yourself a good car, get out of here. Yeah. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about those boys in the better land. The boys in the better life.